0: Heavenly Father, we just come to you now, Lord, we do know that your Son, Jesus, is our only hope. And Lord, as we go through Psalm 42, we ask that we would see the very heart of this summons. And Lord, that it would actually draw a picture for us of how to be encouraged by your very word. That Lord, even through our walk with you, drawing from your word the food that we need, the strength, Lord, the love and mercy you desire to bestow upon us. Sometimes, Lord, we can find ourselves being depressed, lonely, wondering where you are. So we ask, Lord, that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the power of your Son, Jesus, you would open up the eyes of our hearts. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding to know exactly what you're saying and how it fits into the very lives that you've given us. Be with Pastor Bill and Patty. Help them to enjoy time together. And Lord, that upon His return He would be refreshed by You, to be able to continue on, not only teaching us, but molding us and discipling us to be the disciples, Lord, that You want us to be. Bless these people, bless their families, and show them how much You love them, Lord. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Psalm forty-two. The yearning of for God in the midst of distress. As the, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been food, day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrimage feast. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan in the heights of Hebron and in the hill of Zidor. Keep deep calls calls upon deep and the noise of your waterfall. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in night. In the night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him in the help of my countenance and my God. The psalmist is not depressed because of the things around him. The psalmist is depressed because he misses his God. He has had such a close relationship with him that it says this. He said, we don't know when the Psalms were gathered in five books, but separated dates back to the, our oldest manuscript, complied to the Mosaic text. This is the first Psalm of Book 2. The Psalm of Book 2 were some general differences with the Psalm of Book 1. The Hebrew word is referred to God in Ephesus differently in the first two books of Psalms. In one book, the name Jehovah occurs 272 times, Elohim only 15. But in book two, Elohim occurs 164 times, and Jehovah only 30. In book one, Psalms 37 of 41 are specifically a tribute to David, and four remaining are a tribute to David. A tribute. David is the only known psalmist in Book 1. In Book 2 of Psalms, David authored 18 of 31. More than half, but now other psalmists appear. Esses, Solomon have each one seven, perhaps eight psalms belong to the sons of Korah, and three have no author listed. Now the sons of Korah were Levites from the family of Korah. By David's time it seemed they served in musical aspects of the temple worship. Second Chronicles twenty nineteen Korah led a rebellion of two hundred and fifty community leaders against Moses during the wilderness days of the Exodus in Numbers 16. God judged Korah and his leaders, and they all died. But the sons of Korah remained, Numbers 26, 9 through 11. Perhaps they were gathered grateful for the mercy that they had become noticeable in Israel for praising God. And you've got to picture this. Korah led a rebellion. God made a promise before they went into the promised land that because they were so rebellious and they challenged him about ten times, he told the people that came out of Egypt, you're not going to see the promised land. Your children will see them. And that's why I hold on to the Korah's sons, were given mercy and shown mercy by God by allowing them to enter into the promised land and this is where they are now. Okay? These are the people that are worshiping God. And this is how this psalmist feels. He feels you know I I study your word, I spend time with you in the temple. I I worship you. I served you. But then he felt lonely like he couldn't feel the presence of God and sometimes we in our Christian walk will, that will happen to us I call them dry times <laughs> where I sit there and say oh it was great this is good but then I find myself Lord how come I'm not getting anything from you I'm in your word I'm studying it I'm praying I'm serving Say, said, where are you? And gently, the Lord will nod me on the shoulder and say, I'm right beside you. Why'd you move? <laughs> but here's where the psalmist is. This is a deep need of the psalmist. In a sense of great need, distance from God's house and discouraging words bring a deep sense of despair. I know how that feels. We just came from the state of Washington visiting our son. We missed this place. We missed the worship. We had to look for worship. <laughs> we were determined we were going to go to church and we were going to hear what God had to say. So we went to our Calvary Chapel of Burmington <laughs> and this is where God started speaking. From there, my son took us to a garden, and Minda decided to stay in the car. But there was a deer that was sent out. (laughs) And I'm coming out of the garden, and this is before even Pat texts me. And I'm standing there, and I'm watching, and here's this deer. And I said, Lord, what do you have on your heart? (laughs) He said, that reminds me of something. There's a psalm in there. Couldn't point to it right away. But the more I looked at the deer, and I said, yeah. So when Pat told me that Pastor Bill was not going to be here, he asked me if I would teach or was willing to teach. And I knew that God said, this is what I want you to tell him. There is hope in God. Don't get discouraged. <laughs> There's more to this message. Okay. It says, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been food day and night, while they continuously say to me, where is your God? As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. The sons of Korah. Began this psalm with a powerful image. A deer aching with thirst. Perhaps thirst came from drought or from heated pursuit. Either way, the deer longed for and needed water in the same way the psalmist's soul longed for the need and needed God. That's where our hearts should be at. Just like this, panting, desiring more of God. No matter how things are out there, God is saying, you know what? There's hope in me. You want to hear about it? But we need to be thirsty. And we need to let God bring that thirst to our hearts and our lives. In such a way that he can use it to be able to draw us that much closer to him that we would desire even more of him. Ease he did not seek. Honor he did not covet. But the employment of communion with God was urgent and need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as the sweetest of luxuries, but as the absolute necessity like water to a deer. If you ever seen a deer come to the brook, they'll sit there and they'll drink, and then they'll look up, and they'll drink some more. That is how our heart should be with God. We should come to God's Word, thirsting for the goodness that He has for each one of us. This is why I believe this psalm was given. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. The psalmist wasn't thirsty for water, but for God. Drinking and thirst are common pictures of man's spiritual need and God's supply. Here, the emphasis is on the desperation of the need. One may go many days without food, but thirst shows an even more urgent need, which is more than hungering, hunger you can plight, but thirst is awful, intensible, clamorous, and deadly. Three days without water how so you can last. Three. So my question to you, because it brings me right to the area of praying, how long are you going to last or how long you think your walk with God is going to last without praying? That's water, talking to God, coming to him. And this is what the psalmist is doing. For God, not merely for the temple or the origins, but for the fellowship with God himself. None but spiritual men can simplify with this thirst. Sorrow is always a sense of lack. Sorrow of beloved is a sense of loss of a loved one. Sorrow of sickness is a lack of health. But the ultimate sorrow in the sense of the lack of God, there was a superior sorrow of the singer. He is the living God. In at least three senses, he alone has life in himself and of himself. He alone gives life. And he distinct is distinct from the dead images of God of the heathen. We don't have a God that's dead. He's alive. And one day we're going to see him face to face. And that should encourage you to understand that you're worshiping a God of the living, not the dead the rest of the things around you are going to die and they're all going to perish. But not God. When shall I come and appear before God? For the sons of Korah connected to the tabernacle and temple and rituals, there was an appointed place to appear before God. There was a longing to connect again with God and his people at the tabernacle or temple. That was their duty. They knew. And they were... You might say excited when they came up. Oh, all right, I get to serve the Lord. And that's what should be our attitude of heart. It should be, we have a God that loves us. He died for us. He gave his own son for us. He speaks to us daily. He feeds us. There's nothing that God cannot do for us if we allow him to. But yet, we find ourselves the at times and asking, Where are you, God? And God is saying, I'm right here. Why'd you move? And the reason I say that is because a lot of times it's us. And that's pointing to me also to move to the right or the left of God with any circumstance. We don't have all the answers but we have a God that does. (laughs) You know? And that should excite us. Oh, I can go to God and if He doesn't give me an answer, that's okay. I can talk to Him. I can tell Him how I feel. I can tell Him exactly what I'm going through. Whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be friendships or relationships, whatever it is, God knows all about it. And you know what he's doing? He's just waiting for you to come back and sit down at the table. (laughs) And say, okay, Lord, here I am. And this is what I want to tell you. I'm having problems. And I don't have any answers. Appear before God in the place of his special presence in public worship, see Exodus twenty three fifteen, or chapter twenty-five thirty, what is called before God, 1 chronicles thirteen ten is before and with the ark. Second Samuel six seven. It is not that he does not believe in God anywhere, or that God, God is not with him. He is praying to God in the Psalms, after all, but his being away from home has gotten him down in depressed state because he has caused him to feel that God is absent. Some of us are going to Israel. Praise God for that! Right? We're going to the land where Jesus walked, where He taught, and that should be excited. But I venture to say that even as you're going and you're on that plane, you're going to feel a loneliness. Because it's happened to me many times. I spent 13 years on cruises in the United States Navy, and I know when I left home, I missed my family. They might not think so, <laughs> but I did. And I look forward to the day that I would hit Hawaii <laughs> again. That was my turning point right there. We're heading home. Why? The clocks are turning back. <laughs> and a sailor gets excited about that. Because he knows. Okay. Oh yeah, we have to go do our job. But you know what? It's good to come home. And that's how it should be when you come here. You should be excited and say, "Whoa! I get to hear what God has to say. I might not understand everything he said, but you know what? I get to be here. There are many out there in the world right now that don't know who their God is. And many of them are walking on the road to destruction. But here we are. His family, loved by Jesus, gave his life for us. And now we can take out the message, as the disciples did before us, and give it to somebody else. But the psalmist is not depressed about the situations in his life. He is depressed that he has no presence of God. And that feels pretty lonely because I've been there. He said, my tears have been my food and night, day and night. These tears can perhaps be understood in in at least two ways. First, they demonstrate the grief that made the psalmist long for relief in God. Second, they show the psalmist's grief over the previous distance from God. Either or both of these could be the case. Yet, the need was plainly deep and great. The next best thing to living in the light of the Lord's love is to be unhappy until we have it. And pant hourly after it. Probably his tears and grief took away his appetite. And so, so were it to him instead of food. David felt that. When he was praying for the child that Bathsheba, had conceived out of sin, he was praying to God, hoping that the Lord would save that child. He did not eat. He wasn't drinking anything. No matter what they brought him, he wasn't going to take it. But the day that the Lord took the child home, he got up and went, What's to eat? (laughs) Okay? He got his answer. God was not going to allow that child that was conceived in sin. Live here on this earth. And David, being the man of God that he is, accepted that. And sometimes we ourselves have to accept the answers that God brings. And sometimes we don't want to. Psalm 42 4 says, Painful memories bring further discouragement. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with a multitude, went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. I used to go with a multitude, and I went with them to the house of God. Here we are. Remembering of happier times made the psalmist sadder. He thought of the times of joyful worship at the house of God and felt so distanced from those better days. I pour out my soul. My soul is dissolved, become weak as water when I reflect on it, what I have had and on what I have lost. I pour out my soul within me. In me, i.e., within my own breath, between God and my own soul, openly, lest my enemies should turn into a... Matter of rejoicing and insulting over me. He's doing this quietly because he's afraid that if he were to do it openly, then the enemies that have nothing to do with God would taunt him even more. And sometimes we feel that way with the world. But yet God brings the psalmist back. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast, he especially remembers the high times of holidays that marked the Jewish calendar. He thought of the of, he thought of the multitude and excitement of voice of joy and praise that marked the feast of Passover, Pentecost and Tabernacles. The Jews can rejoice. <laughs> they can't party, okay? <laughs> per se. When they worship God, it's all of it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I feel that God is actually trying to tell us here. That type of excitement should be within us. Desiring to worship a God that lives. And desire to be able to actually bring us even that much closer to, it, to him. Why speaking to his own soul? Why are you cast down O my soul? And why are you disquiet within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why you cast down on my soul the psalmist paused from the painful memory to the challenge to challenge his own soul. He did not surrender to the feelings of spiritual depression or discouragement. Instead he challenged them and brought them before God and said to those, Cast down and disquiet feelings, hope in God. He will come through again because he has before. Now, you think about that. You hold on to that. Has God ever let you down? Jesus has never let me down. <laughs> Since I've come to him, he's been better and better each day. When I came to Christ, he told me my covers would never be empty. My bills would always be paid. I would always have is present with me, but yet he would provide everything that I needed. Jesus has not failed me yet. And he will not fail you either. And those are words of encouragement to you. Then this is how this psalmist feels. And you're going to be that way at times. This is a long way from surrender that often traps the discouraged or spiritual depression person. He didn't say, my soul is cast down, that's how it is. No, there is nothing I cannot do about it. The challenge made to his own soul, demanding that it explain a reason why it should be cast down is a wonderful example. There are some valid reasons for discouragement. There are many more reasons for hope. It, all, it also wasn't as as if he had not already given many reasons for his discouragement. Many things bothered him. Here are some of them: distance from home and the house of God, forty two two and forty two six; taunting unbelievers, forty two three and forty two ten; memories of better days, Psalm forty two four. Present absence of spiritual thrills, Psalms 42 4. Overwhelming trials of life, 40 7. And God's seemingly slow response, Psalms 42 9. Those are the things he's looking at. Can you picture yourself there? I know you've been through some things, and I don't take it lightly. But I want to encourage you that the God that you serve is a living God and there is hope in Him. No matter what anybody else says, no matter what things are going on, your hope, only hope that you have is in Jesus Christ. Still, it was as the psalmist said, there are not good enough reasons to be cast down. When I think of the greatness of God and the help of his favor and his presence, the result is not demanding a sense of sorrow, but rather setting it a right relationship to God. We can put ourselves in predicament and God is saying, what are you doing? (laughs) Don't you trust me? When you first came to me, didn't you just cry out to me from a broken heart because you couldn't handle it? And now you're telling me I can't handle the simple things that you're bringing up? Is that I created the whole world? Is that I gave you life? To put it personally, Each one of us was given a responsibility to be here on earth to represent God. That's how precious you are to him. He gave you life and abundantly. And now he's saying, let me use it. Let me show you what I can do through this. Well, you're going to go through some rough times, but you know what? I'll be right beside you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. This is a long way for surrender. Okay. Still, as, as as if the psalmist said, "There's not good enough reasons to be cast down." You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You may say to your soul, "Why are you? Why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquiet?" Have you ever said that to yourself? I I said, Rudy, what are you doing? (laughs) Come on. He saved you. Think about what he's done. You know? And the next thing I know, I pick up my Bible and I start reading. I said, whoa. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. It's a discouragement. The psalmist spoke to himself, perhaps even preached to himself. He didn't feel filled with praise at the moment, yet he was confident that as he did what he could to direct his hope in God, that praise would come forth. I don't feel like praising him now, but he is worthy of my hope. And I shall yet praise him. See, it's all about Jesus. It isn't about us. <laughs> it ain't about Rudy. It's about Jesus. And what he wants to do through this sinful person. The help of his countenance. The psalmist knew to look for help in God's countenance. That is, a proving face of God. He found a better place by challenging his sense of gloom and seeking after God's face. That's something that you can highlight and say, that's what I got to do. No matter what you're going through, this is where you got to go. For the help of his countenance, for salvation of his faith, note well that the main hope and chief desire of David rests in the smile of God. His face is what he seeks and hopes to see, and it will recover his low spirit. When the sun rises, we cannot be without light. When God turns his countenance toward us, we cannot be without salvation. In seeking the help of his countenance, the psalmist understood that the answers were not within himself, but in the living God. And he didn't look within, he looked up. I have a beautiful picture in my backyard. (laughs) Early in the morning, I see all the stars. I'm looking up and saying, Lord, you know every single name of those stars. So, here I am. I want to talk to you. And I want you to be able to just minister to me in such a way. But I'm looking at your creation. I'm saying, you hold them in the palm of your hand. And you say in your word that you inscribe my name on the palm of your hand. You see the beauty of God's word? There's a lot there to hold on to. There's a lot to remember that the God that saved you, the one that wants you to be with him, is right there beside you. And all the other things that you're going through are his. And he just wants you to hand them over and say, here. Here I am. An honest prayer from a distant place. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hebron and the hill of Samar. said, my God, my soul is cast down within me. It is almost detached sense that the psalmist reported his cast down soul to God. This was wise because a common tendency in such times is to stay away from God or act as if we could hide the problem from Him. The psalmist did neither. David tried to do that for a whole year. <laughs> and God sends a prophet and gives him a little story. And the king gets upset. So the prophet asks him, oh, What should happen to the man? No, the man should be killed. And then the, Psalm, the prophet turns to him and says, You're the man. <laughs> Have you ever had God do that to you? See, you're the one. The problem isn't what's around you. It's your heart. It's not in the right place. You're not worshiping me the way I want you to. You're worshiping me because you want something from me. And God says, I don't want that. I want your whole heart. I want you to sing to me. And I want you to cry out to me in such a way that you know I'm there. A prayer from the depths of discouragement. Deep calls upon deep at the noise of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness. In the daytime and night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. Perhaps the psalmist saw and thought of a waterfall in this high country. He saw how the water plunged down into a deep pool at the base of the waterfall and thought, I feel that deeply buried under my misery. It was as if all your waves and bills had gone over me and he was buried under. The psalmist knew that I am in deep trouble inside and I am in deep trouble outside. These two depths seem to collide in him, sending him deeper still than in a powerful, powerful and poetic description of despair. I hear the constant noise of waterfalls. It never stops. That reminds me when me and Minda went to Niagara Falls. <laughs> and we took the little mist boat out there and they take you right to the edge Right where the fall is going, you can't hear each other speaking, and you're standing right beside each other. You're getting completely soaking wet, you know. But yet, that's how that noise is. And this is what the psalmist is saying. The troubles he's going through, the things that he's going through right now. It just feels that way. And sometimes that's how our lives are going to be. Noisy, Distracting. He said, I fell from a previous height. You've been walking with the Lord. You went to a retreat. You get to the high point, And then the Lord says, now it's time to come down to the valley. Oh, wait a minute. But I love it up here. <laughs> it's good. It's, yes, it is. But he's saying, I have work for you to do. I need you to put to work what I just taught you. Okay? So he felt like, hey, he had a high point. Well, now he has to go to the valley. You so I plunged down quickly and I was taken down deep. I feel buried under all these things. I feel like I'm drowning. Okay? This physically happened to me on a trip to the Philippines. My wife challenged me <laughs> to, to go through this cave. But I had to go into the water to get to the cave because it was high tide. Okay. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I did. And I got underneath, there's this big, hay, beautiful sight. But I'm thinking, I said, how am I going to get out of here? <laughs> so the people that came, they got a hold of me, they took me back up. Okay? But as we're going up, I lose my breath. I swallowed some water. And I'm feeling myself saying, this is it. God's going to take me home right now. (laughs) The Lord says, no, I'm not done with you. (laughs) So, So he gets me up to the surface and they put me in a boat and here I am hacking and coughing. And they say, whoa, but I remember that. And I say, Lord, that's how I feel at times with you. The things that I'm going through feel just like that. But I know that you're with me. So just as he got me out through that situation, I know he'd get me out through the rest of it. And even in this, there are, there are points of light giving hope. I am deep, but you are also. So your dad's call unto me in my depth. Waterfalls are yours. If I plunge under, then you are with me. The waves and billows are yours. You have measured all this. Okay? There's nothing God cannot control. The full campus of creation afford not perhaps a more just and striking image of nature and numbers of these calamities which sin has brought upon the children of Adam. Deep calls unto deep, one wave of sorrow rolls over me, and by another, there is something dismantled in the sound of the original. Myers thought of it this, as the depths of God answering to the depths of the human need. Whatever depths there are in God, they appeal to the corresponding depths in us. And whatever the depths of our sorrow, despair, and necessity, there are correspondence in God which our full supply may be obtained. The deep of divine redemption calls to the deep of human need. The deep of Christ's wealth calls to the deep of the saints' poverty. And the deep of the Holy Spirit's intercession calls to the deep of the church prayer. The Lord commanded his loving kindness in the daytime. The covenant of God, the Lord, Yahweh, is sometimes rarely used in Book 2 of Psalms, and here is used with special strength, with confidence, great confidence, that God will command his loving kindness to be extended to the desiring one, despairing one. His expression is remarkable, and he does not simply Does not say simply that the Lord will bestow, but commands his loving kindness. As the gift bestowed is grace, free favor to the unworthy. So the manner of bestowing to his sovereign, it is given by degree. It is a royal octave, and if he commands the blessing, who shall hinder its reception? More honest telling of the son discouragement is that I saw, I will say to the Lord my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go more murmuring because of the oppression of the enemy with the breaking of my bones? My enemies reproach me and while they say to me all day long, where is your God? There is a pleasant contradictory in this line. The psalmist had the confidence to call God his rock. His place of security, stability, and strength. And at the same time, he could honestly bring his feelings to God and ask, Why have you forgotten? The most experienced saint knows there is no contradiction. It is because he regarded God as his rock that he could pour out his soul before him so honestly. Why do I go on murmuring because of this oppression of the enemies? The psalmist senses God's sustaining him, but the battle is not over. There is a constant oppression of enemy taunt. Where is your God? Continued from them. They return to the confidence of the challenge of self focus upon God. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my continent and my God. While you cast down on my soul as the oppression of the enemy continues, so the psalmist would continue to speak to himself and challenge his own senses of discouragement. It is important dialogue between the two aspects of the believer. One is at once a man of conviction and the creature of change. The higher self repeats its self-rebuke Is self-encouragement. Hope in God. The pleasant words of Psalm 40 to 5 were repeated in both important and helpful. The psalmist, anywhere buried under discouragement, needed to keep hope in God and to keep confidence that he shall yet praise him. And that is what the Lord put on my heart to bring to you. Just as the deer panted for the water. Let our souls pant for God. With that, I will close in this prayer, but I'll leave you with this. Do not get discouraged. Every day that you wake up, say to yourself, hope in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you now like I thank you for this message. Lord, it speaks as much to me as anybody else. Lord, I was lonely and I was empty. But yet going to church at Birmingham, Calvary of Birmingham, Lord, you renew a spark within my own heart. And I know, Lord, that sometimes we just feel just like that. I pray that even when we're away from our home church, Lord, that we would find a place to worship you and praise you and understand that you are our only hope. I pray for this family, Lord, this church family. Bless them. Pour your Holy Spirit upon them. Meet their needs. Lord, let them hear your voice. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, but most of the Lord, a heart to understand how much you love them. And how much you desire to use them. And as we close in song, Lord, let our hearts sing unto you and you only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.